Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to the Talking City podcast, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. We've not got Dan today, so I'm afraid you've got to put up with me. My name's Joe Bray and I'm uh, happy to be joined by Simon Bykovsky. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, good, Joe. Don't do yourself, Dan. We're better off without Dan. (laughs) I don't think I've got the energy that Dan has sometimes, but I will do my best (laughs) because we've got plenty to talk about after Manchester City beat Chelsea last night. And it was one of those games that I think I'll say beforehand, I didn't know which way it was going to go. City weren't great against Everton. Chelsea obviously weren't great against Nottingham Forest before, but we know that that could have been a difficult game. And for both teams, they really needed the win to keep keep sort of the season ambitions alive. So it was it was a pretty tense game and bordering on must win, I think. So the fact that City did go, go and get three points, a lot went on, whether it was the formation, the team selection, the substitutions. Uh, Simon, what did you think about the game? Yeah, it's always interesting when Guardiola gets it so obviously wrong because he so rarely does it. Um, and kind of as much as, you know, you can point to his his genius in turning it round, perhaps, um, arguably... If you start that team or you start that formation, you don't have to make such drastic changes at half-time and on the hour mark, which we basically never see Guardiola do. Um, so it was it was one of those games where it, it's a huge three points. It's a big result. Um, the performance still wasn't there, really. I think if anyone who had concerns after the Everton game will still have concerns after... After this game, um, but there were a few kind of interesting points around Grealish and Mares and Lewis and Walker and Cancelo and those kind of things that kind of will will tumble into the weekend and beyond, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through what sort of happened at Stamford Bridge. We got the team news. It was probably what City fans have been calling for for quite a while. Phil Foden started his first, his second starting, was it seven games? He's, he's only started one of the last six. We had Jao Cancelo and Kyle Walker back. It looked like a pretty standard 4-3-3, if you like, with all of the, the sort of intricacies that come within that, that formation for Guardiola. It looked like Cancelo on the left, Walker on the right. It was Bernardo Silva in the midfield, as well as Ilkay Gundogan, which often we see in the bigger games. We thought we knew what was going to happen, and then they walked out and lined up for kickoff. And suddenly, Jao Cancelo's on the right wing, and the sort of a back three morphing into a back four, and Rodri's dropping back, and Bernardo's in in the sort of uh, defensive midfield role. And it was quite noticeable how different a formation it was. And uh, Guardiola did say after the game that he thought, right, okay, we we thought there was going to be more space for Cancelo. But it turned out that there wasn't. Phil Foden was isolated on the other side. I think it got to about 20 minutes and Sky Sports were saying 
Erling Haaland has had no touches of the ball, which isn't always a problem, but it showed how sort of disjointed that City formation was. And then at half time, obviously, it was sort of an admission that that didn't work because Cancelo and Walker come off, um, Rico Lewis and Akanji. I've, I've written about this this morning, Akanji, of course. Akanji, yeah. So it was, a, it, was, it, it was the formation we've seen in the last two games, basically. So what was it as simple as that? Was it just an admission that the, that formation had simply not worked? I think it was ultimately, um, but I think it was also down to the players. Um, you know, Pep said he felt sorry for Cancelo in the first half playing in that right wing position, but, you know, every touch or second touch Cancelo seemed to have went to a Chelsea player. He looked like someone who hasn't played much football um, in the last month. But then, yeah, you can't get away from the formation. Having sort of Rodri as a defensive midfielder who drops back into centre-back and Bernardo as a sort of roaming midfielder who drops back into defensive midfield basically meant that you had two players who were sort of running backwards away from the ball whenever um, City lost it whenever Chelsea had it which just meant Chelsea could cut through the middle whenever they wanted and City's kind of front foot pressing game uh, didn't work and you know Haaland didn't have many touches I think it was about the 43rd, 44th minute when um, Phil Foden overtook Edison for touches. So it was like City didn't have the supply line, they didn't have the middle um, and they didn't have any way of getting getting to Haaland. They had one kind of half chance when Gundogan played it through and Haaland could have scored. Um, but they were completely outplayed in the first half. There was kind of one 10-minute spell where they had 24% possession, which is about as un-City as you can as you can get. So, you know, it was one of those games where you thought, well, he needs changes at half-time, but we've been here plenty of times and he hasn't made changes at half-time. Um, but also, interestingly, I kind of thought, well, there was no reason why he couldn't have kept Cancelo and Walker on, but moved them back into that lineup that you thought, that you said everyone was expecting. Um, so it was kind of admission that the formation didn't work, but at the same time, you know, there was a reason why he brought on Lewis and Akanji when he could have left Cancelo and Walker on. And he did say after the game, didn't he, that we he has had players that have come back from the World Cup who aren't in shape. And he's been hinting at that for the last two or three weeks when everyone's been asking why are Walker and Cancelo and Foden not playing. He's suggested that there are players in training who haven't been as sharp. And he's mentioned body language a few times. And I, I think in, in that respect, he was probably a little bit justified by saying, look, these are the players you want and clearly they're not up to scratch as as much as some of the other players are. And yeah, I think he did say that after the game when when speaking about Walker in particular, he said it's good that he got 45 minutes under his belt, which normally you would expect him to play 90 without too much trouble. So maybe he has come back from the World Cup with a, you know, a, a few problems. He did play quite a lot for England, didn't he? Cancelo didn't play as much for Portugal, but he's, I don't know, maybe the fact that he lost his place as weighed on his mind a little bit um, but no I, I think I agree with you he could have changed it and moved Cancelo back and that formation was crying out but the fact that he did bring Rico Lewis on and then he credit credited Rico Lewis so much with changing the game it shows that he is willing to reward those players who are playing well at the moment and Lewis is playing with so much confidence and he, he's in such a small space of time he's perfected that role of f switching between right back 
and defensive midfield. I think I, I tweeted in the first half that it was crying out for Grealish and Mares to slow the game down, as Guardiola has been saying so much. But I realised after I'd pressed send that probably it's Rico Lewis that that they needed, just the way that he'd been playing recently and and linking those sort of defensive and midfield positions. And I, I, I agree with Guardiola; he did he did change the game. Um, so I think that. I mean, all the, all the changes made sense, didn't they? They, they, they all made a difference. Um, were you surprised not to see Grealish and Mahrez on on earlier? Because Foden, as we said, wasn't really getting into the game. He wasn't really getting a touch. And uh, as we saw when they did come on, they did make an immediate difference. I think kind of Foden deserved the chance to, um, to, to play with kind of the better version of City. Um, and also it would have sort of been more of a story had he hooked Foden at half-time this player that he's like barely used for ages and then the one time he does play him he says nope you're my first change off not having you um whereas the time he got was a bit better um yeah it, it kind of it's funny because it, it was crying out for um Grealish and Mares, but at the same time you know Grealish said afterwards that Guardiola told him to go on and be aggressive um and he might have said that against Everton and they just didn't do it or they might not have been told to do it against Everton. But there was no aggression from either Grealish or Mahrez, um against Everton. And that and you know that's why everyone's been crying out for Foden because when he came on against Everton, he provided some impetus. He ran into the box, he ran at defenders. Um, and Grealish and Mahrez simply didn't do that. They were there, as Guardiola said, for the extra passes. Um, so as much as kind of it was like vindication of Guardiola playing Grealish and Mahrez, it was, you know, they, they did something different to what they have been doing. And that is the side you want to see from them. Maybe it's not always the game plan. Maybe you can't always do it. But um, not only did they come on and change the game, but they changed the way that they have been playing um, and looked all the better for it. Everyone wants to see that Jack Grealish running in possession um, and maybe coming on as a substitute is the better, you know, use of him because legs will be tired. We saw that Gareth Southgate used him like that um, in England with Southgate kind of not, you know, using his substitutes as kind of finishers rather than players not good enough to make the eleven. So, so that was kind of an interesting subplot to a subplot as well. Um, and I've forgotten what you originally said to set me off down this rabbit hole. But um, yeah, it, it was just, it was a very interesting night for City. I think that's right. There's so many talking points, isn't there? And yeah. things that we weren't expecting to happen. And I've, I've just written a piece saying that Guardiola basically gave the City fans what they wanted, which was Foden to start and a bit more of an attacking lineup in a bigger game. And then the the players that have won it are the players that, Guardiola's been saying we need the control, we need the slower players, we we need to keep the ball a bit more. And I think John Stone said that, that at half time the message was we're losing the ball too much, we need to just calm down and 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 play it more. And and that seems to be the message as well. I'm I'm not saying Guardiola did listen to the fans. I know he joked that he was following what fans on Twitter were saying. And I I had a lot of fans in the mentions saying, Oh, he's he's reading our tweets, this is great, but I'd, yeah, I, th- I think that the f- the fact that the team that won the game was the sort of more conservative team that he's been playing and, and insisting that um, 
possession is more important at this stage of the season and controlling games, whether it's the players that he's got available, whether it's fitness and, and all of that rolls into one. But I, I would say that Guardiola's sort of position and he's been justified everything he's been saying in the last two or three weeks against Leeds, against Everton. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Grealish and Mahrez starting the next game against Man United in the league because that sort of seems how Guardiola wants to go for the next few weeks now is sort of control the ball rather than go all out attack and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the next week or two in the build up to that but just compare that to how City beat United at the Etihad it could be a completely different approach and line up and dynamic to the whole table that that we saw that that we we might see at, at Old Trafford which is interesting of course City have two cup games coming up which could give like the likes of Phil Foden and and, and even Walker and Cancelo the chance to sort of play the way back into fitness which which is interesting as well and we'll, we'll get on to that um another player that we can talk about we can talk about these attackers for for forever and ever because there's there's so many unanswered questions from the Chelsea game but I think one thing that we know for sure is that John Stones is playing very, very well at the moment. Um, he had another fantastic game at Chelsea. He made a brilliant block to deny Christian Pulisic. There was a really interesting interview with um, him, uh, Stones and Kyle Walker on Sky Sports where Walker said, if Stones gets his head right, which it is at the moment, he's the best central defender in the world. And I think if you look at how he played at the World Cup, how he's been playing for City, he's got to be up there at the moment. On, on form, there are few centre-backs playing better than Stones at the moment. No, he's been really good. He's been, you know, he, he had this sort of big year where he came back and uh, roared back into the team. But um, he's been solid ever since. He's been really good and he was, you know, outstanding. There were the two moments in the first half, one when he made that tackle on uh, Pulisic and then the second where he was just calm as anything uh, after the shot came back off the post. But, you know, he's... I think he's embraced his role as a as a senior player. Um, I um, I spoke to him earlier this season and asked him, you know, if if he was happy with that, and it kind of took him by surprise a bit because he so, didn't really think of himself as that. But you know, there's no getting away from he is, and he he was England probably England's best player at, at the World Cup. Um, so he has been, you know, a terrific asset for City since he. Um, came back I think the last two seasons basically um, and this year especially both him and Nathan Ake have been terrific it, it, at centre-back and that means they've kind of not missed Laporte and Diaz being out um, and Ake's had a few injury issues as well I mean that's the biggest thing with Stones the you know for a long time Guardiola said I, I can't rely on him every three days he can't play either he can't his body can't play games every three days or he's not sort of got the nous to keep that standard every three days and um and now he he just looks like the the perfect pep defender really yeah i think the whole sort of evolution of that back line has been really really interesting this season laporte was injured for the sort of start of the season now we've got ruben diaz injured and if, if you'd said that a year ago that those two players would miss a, a large portion of the season you would suggest that City would have a lot of problems in defence. And yes, there have been occasions where they've they've not been switched on and they'd probably be con- been conceding more goals than they would like. But I think in Stones, as we've just said, 
who's playing fantastically. Man, Manuel Akanji has been a, a brilliant buy and he sort of justified Pep saying we need that extra defender to, to give us more options. And I think Nathan Ake has gone under the radar massively. He's he started the last is it four games now. Yeah, and yes, he's played at left back for quite a lot of it, but he's been able to sort of move into the centre. He used to be the sort of the other defender that would come in for the Cups. He's now starting a lot of the big games and and playing really well and I can't remember a bad game that Nathan Ake's had this season Um, so the fact that we're sort of praising these City defenders and they've got Ruben Diaz and Laporte out and it's barely even mentioned I think those other three players deserve a lot of credit and I, I think Guardiola said something yesterday that Stones can play in a three now and he's been so reluctant hasn't he to to use a back three and especially since the World Cup, that's how City have been playing with Rico Lewis pushing into midfield. And the fact that Nathan Ake plays there for, for the Netherlands and he can morph into it as well, I think it gives City a sort of an, a new option. And The back three used to strike fear into fans, didn't it? But they've got so, so much versatility and options in that that defence. It's it's a real asset for them. I know, I know you've been uh, writing about Manuel Akanji as well. Do you, do you think City have sort of a new formation and, and those players have allowed that to sort of evolve City's tactics? Yeah, I was talking with someone about this last night and it, it feels like City play a back three a lot more than they used to. And it's not like set out as a back three, but it's just, the def- like you say, the defenders they've got are so versatile. Um, you know, it's quite funny that Chelsea wouldn't pay £50 million for Nathan Ake um, and then paid what was it 62 for Kukurea who they trumpeted as oh he can play multiple positions and it's like well Ake can play centre back and left back and and on the evidence of left this season he can play him a whole lot better than Kukurea can so um, kind of a, a a double mistake from from Chelsea there um, but it, you know for I, I don't think many attacking players at City can say they've sort of been informed this season but you know Stones, Ake and Akanji really have um, and that's not to say that they've kept loads of clean sheets or anything but they've just been at a really good level and that's meant that Guardiola can have that solid platform and he can push whichever fullback he wants forward uh, into defensive midfield with Rodri or push Cancelo further up the pitch kind of outnumber the defence because though even last season Stones played at right back a bit and he was iffy um, but they've all found a system that really suits them um, and it does keep City on the whole kind of pretty solid and also kind of the the perfect Guardiola of ide- ideal of building from the back. Yeah I think to support the attack it's, it's a defensive situation that really works and uh, the fact that you've got players who maybe don't have the sort of forward passing ability of say Americ Laporte but you've got players who can move the ball forward quickly and when you've got whether it's Cancelo or Walker or Rico Lewis who can then move with the ball into that sort of midfield area you've got Rodri who can drop back and he seems to be doing that more and more I know it didn't work at Chelsea but he played centre back at the World Cup for Spain. He's he's capable of of doing that sort of dual role. And uh, yeah, no, it's been noticeable that the back three isn't a plan B anymore. It's it is a plan A and and sort of central to how how City have been playing recently. I I do think, especially against Liverpool in that Carabao Cup game, there were areas to exploit 
four attacking teams and and we saw against Everton that one sort of mistake from Rodri and there was loads of space for Damari Gray to, to run forward and, and exploit. So I, I think it does leave them a little bit open maybe on, on the break if, if there's a few... If the spaces between the centre-backs are a bit more exaggerated and, and a, a quick player can get in there. But on the whole, I think the fact that City have that sort of fluidity and, and that, that system is it's got to be an advantage and I'll, I'll say it again the fact that they're not they're not missing Diaz and Laporte is is a, a credit to those those players who were there and I mean you're talking about Nathan Ake there the fact that he's been playing left back and no one's been saying oh we need Cancelo there again only strengthens his position because he's, he's been playing so well and uh, yeah I, I think you're absolutely right that those three players have probably been City's best players on a whole this season you've obviously got to talk about Erling Haaland and his goals and Kevin De Bruyne's been brilliant but I think in terms of consistency in every single game they're sort of 7 out of 10 players and that's what you need to to win titles and know that they they deserve a, a lot of credit because those three are players that you would normally expect to be on the bench for for big games and now it's it's Laporte and Diaz who are sort of having to to fight for the places which we never thought would happen um, right, I've got a question for you and it's, can you say anything new, anything else about Rico Lewis? Because he was brilliant when he came on. He changed his game. Guardiola said he made everyone else better. Have have we run out of things to say already? It's kind of strange with, with Lewis because normally when a youngster comes through, they kind of come through as this bright flash and we speak about them and and then they kind of go back into the pack almost. Um, Lewis has been, you know, a, a standout player for for what three, four, four games, three, three games, three games out of four, and it's not like he played badly against Everton either. Um, yeah, just remarkable maturity and confidence from him, and just knowing exactly what to do. Um, and it, it's kind of always interesting watching how they are with senior players and how senior players react to them, and kind of. You know, De Bruyne's the ultimate test because he's not afraid to ever go at anyone. And the willingness of De Bruyne to give him the ball sort of at any opportunity is kind of, you know, one of the biggest compliments you can have because he's certainly not done it with with every player that's come through, whether they've come through the academy or come from another club as a big signing. You, you sort of you have to earn that respect in the team and the, the squad that they've got faith that you're not going to stuff up if they give you the ball. And, you know, De Bruyne and others have no hesitation whatsoever in in giving it to Lewis. You know, huge, a big deal to start him at Leeds, a bigger deal to start him uh, against Everton and an even bigger deal for Guardiola to bring him on at half-time because City really were in disarray. So to say, um, you know, to say they... They needed something and Pep turned to Lewis and then his comments afterwards about making all the players around him better are um, it's the mark of a, a truly great player. So, you know, Lewis has a lot to do to, to get there, but he looks like a truly great prospect um, and his impact on the team has been probably unprecedented. If you think about how sort of how long it took Foden to become trusted in the team. You're talking almost like two years training with the first team, and and Lewis has done done more in six months. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I've said it before, but I'm I'm waiting for him to have a bad game, and he he just doesn't do it. And you you normally get Guardiola trying to 
take the pressure off these players and sort of easing them in and enc- maybe encouraging them to play under 23s games if if they can but it doesn't seem like that with Lewis he's, he's more than happy to say he's going to be a City player for the next decade or say what he said last night which was yes he made everyone better and he changed the game and he's awarded in man of the match things he, Guardiola isn't trying to temper those expectations he's he's leaning into them really and it seems that Lewis is a player that he, he can do that with which is remarkable for someone who's just turned 18 and the pressure on him must be quite a lot because now sort of a lot of journalists and a lot of like features on Sky Sports are starting to talk about him as this sort of next big thing and that's normally where clubs will try and just take the pressure off and take them out of the limelight but the, yeah as you say the, the fact that Guardiola is treating him as a, a key player and a really important player to sort of City's post-World Cup uh, formation and, and squad is I don't think as as you say we've not really seen it before have we and uh, it, it looked last night that he was above Walker and Cancelo in, in the pecking order he was dropped to bring them in and then as soon as it went wrong he came in and both of them went off and I'm, I don't want to say he's he is first choice but it, it seems like if Guardiola was picking his strongest team then is Rico Lewis in that and I'm reluctant to get into a sort of what is City's strongest team because I think we could be here for hours but I I don't know is is, is Rico Lewis there could could he start the derby for example yeah 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 I think he he definitely could he certainly is giving Guardiola the the control that he wants and also I guess he's an unknown or more of an unknown prospect for opposition so it's harder for them to know what he's going to do Um, and you know he's played in some big games this season um, probably the biggest was the friendly against Barcelona where yeah it was a friendly but it was still kind of 90,000 people at the new Camp and he just looked like it was a, like he was playing on his, his local park so going into the derby is not going to, to phase him at all um, you, you know I kind of thought for Chelsea you would need the experience of, of Walker and Cancelo and I think it, it would be harsh to say that you know they they messed up that um, because they were put in sort of uncomfortable positions by by the manager. But there's no doubt that Lewis came out of Stamford Bridge looking better than they did. So it, it's kind of on them in the next two games and the next ten days of training to to show that they should be be the option for um, for Uni- for United. So it's yeah again we're in like just territory that we're not used to with Guardiola because he's always so cautious with the youngsters um, but he's just chucked chucked Lewis in and you know I think he said before the the Chelsea game he sort of said we need Kyle Walker we can't just rely on on Rico but then he said but then again you can put loads of pressure on Rico because he can take it so I think we'll see plenty of him in the second half of the season and it, and it is nice to have that kind of rotation option um for Walker and Cancelo. Um, but every time he starts, it, it will still be a big deal for quite a while, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And every time he plays well and continues to, to live up to these sort of high performances, we're going to continue talking about him. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we might run out of things to say, but when he's playing that well, we, we, we can't really ignore it. Um, you've touched on it there. City have a quick turnaround before welcoming Chelsea again 
to uh, the Etihad in the FA Cup. Then it's away to Southampton in the Carabao Cup. Is that an opportunity to rotate the squad? Or, I mean, I know City have been talking a lot. I could, I've lost count of the players who are saying we need to put a run together and keep some momentum together. How do you think they're going to approach that Chelsea game? Could it be, let's play the strongest in form players? Or is it an opportunity to give Cancelo and Walker another chance, give Foden a chance to improve on his performance against um, against Chelsea in the league? Um, we've also not mentioned that City had a World Cup winner on the bench that they didn't call upon at Stamford Bridge. You would expect him to play against Chelsea. How do you think the lineup is going to look in the FA Cup? Yeah, I think in the FA Cup and um, Southampton, you would kind of expect to see plenty of Cancelo, Walker, Foden, Alvarez, Phillips. Um, you know, Rodri looked knackered at the end of the the game at Stamford Bridge and I, I know his recovery is good but um, you would think that uh, you know a, a rest for him might be nice at some point and then Haaland similar you know he will want to play every game to um, make sure that he's he's getting all the goals he can but he's still had these issues with um, the injury that he picked up at Dortmund in October so you wouldn't be surprised to see Alvarez play instead of him and play with him. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, Chelsea looked utterly shot by the end of, by the end of last night. And they've got so many injuries and Graham Potter isn't kind of, doesn't seem to be massively enjoying the challenge at the minute. So I'll have a real job on his hands to kind of motivate them for, um, for the game on Sunday, having lost to them already twice you know City have knocked them out of the the League Cup and they've beaten them quite comfortably um, in the in the league as well so it's a real task for Chelsea to, to motivate themselves for the FA Cup game and Southampton as well not in in, in wonderful form so I, I think City have that bit of uh, freedom there to be able to, to to use those two games still to play strong teams but strong teams with players who maybe we've not seen too much of recently. Yeah, I think Phillips is a name that you you mentioned there and it, it, you would you would expect he'll get his he's not started yet, has he? So it it would be his his, his first start if, if he was to to play one of those games and yeah, Rodri had cramp by the end of that game, which I think is fair because in the first half he was popping up in central defence and also in attacking midfield. He was he was everywhere. Um I think Cole Palmer might get some games and it might be up to him to to show what what young players can do. I think Lewis has sort of raised the bar um in expectations. I don't I I think he's been doing absolutely fine this season, Cole Palmer, but he's sort of been doing the safe the safe things when he's come on um, and he's not really impacted games as much. He's been doing what is needed to keep the keep the sort of play going for City, but we've not seen the sort of attacking play we saw last season where he was a bit fearless. I think he's sort of trying to take the responsibility on board. So if he can get a game and, and really impact the play, I think that could help him as well. Um, just because, especially with Lewis coming in and doing so well, people might be looking at him and saying, right, go on, what what can you do then as well? Um, but yeah, no, I, I would expect similar to, to, as you've just said, a lot of rotation, um, maybe trying to uh, reintegrate Jao Cancelo on the left-hand side. He's not really been used since since really the red card against Fulham, was it, where he, uh, he got caught on the wrong side and, and made a silly challenge. 
maybe these are the times to to play him back in. I think it will be interesting to see how strong he goes. And the, like you say with Chelsea, they've got a lot of injuries, but they're sitting 10th in the league. They're probably not going to get top four. They could do with an FA Cup run to uh, just to keep things going and make a success of the season and keep the fans on side for Graham Potter. I know he was saying it doesn't rain, but it pours with injuries. And then Pulisic and uh, Sterling went off. He, he's really not getting the rub, rub of the green. But he is probably quite an important game for Chelsea, more important than it is for City, I would say. I know City like to compete on all fronts and it will be a, a setback to to lose in the FA Cup. But in the grand scheme of things, could it possibly be a benefit if they were to go out fighting, if, if they were to just have a a few more games to free up. I know Guardiola would never admit that, but another competition to fight for could, I don't know, maybe add to the fixture list. Well, how do you think they'll view that? I, to be honest, I think they're better off. They're better off winning, and you know they they've kind of got this aura about them. Um, certainly in the league, where you know Arsenal drop points and suddenly Man City win, and they're they're closer to them. I think you know a City team still on for a quadruple. Um, the longer that goes on, kind of the more feared City will be, and the more that will play to their advantage in in all competitions. Not so much in the Champions League because no one, you know, bothers about reputations much in that. But certainly domestically, you know, every team in England is going to be thinking, how do we beat these? Um, and you know, they they should beat Chelsea because of all the issues that you just mentioned. Um, so it would be. You know, I I think you always want to you always want to go out of a competition knowing that you know you've given it everything and you know fine margins have knocked you out. Say, um, whereas I don't think it would be fine margins if if Chelsea were to to beat them because you know the City have, will start the game so far ahead of Chelsea that that they should win. So no, I think you know it it will suit City very well for this run of fixtures where they they're in. They've not got the easiest games um, for them to have this sort of uh, unbeatable uh, reputation. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think that is the right answer. It's just a thought that popped into my head and we've we've been sort of looking at this January fixture list and it's, it's big game after big game. And normally you would say Chelsea, a double header against Chelsea is, is very, very difficult, but we've seen City probably beat them comfortably as you say in, in the last two meetings in the last few weeks and you would expect the same again um, and if if we were looking previously and thinking oh well if you go out to Chelsea then that's fair enough because they're another big team maybe on the balance of play of, of what we've seen as exactly you just spelled out it's it would probably be a disappointing result even if City do make a few changes and, and go ahead but yeah looking forward if you offered Guardiola maybe a, another couple of uh, a couple of days between games when it gets even more hectic in the new year, he probably wouldn't complain. It's one of those balances, isn't it? The, the need to keep up that winning run versus I'm sure we will hear Guardiola complain about uh, fixtures and, and days between them and, and, and all that going forward. So, uh, no, I, I, I do agree with you that City are better when they're winning. And we've heard so much of the players saying we need to put a winning run together. You can only do that by playing games, can't you? And you, you can't go into a game thinking we we can afford to lose here because because they can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Can I get a score prediction from you then for Chelsea in the FA Cup? Uh, I think 3-1. More more open game than it was was last night, I would say. What would you say? I was going to say, similar to the, the League Cup game, I think Chelsea will well, they'll have to play a few youngsters, won't they, because of their injury problems. Um, and City, in the end, held them off and, and won fairly comfortably. So, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd say 2-0. And in, into the next round. And... Uh, then on to Southampton in the uh, in the cup. As, as we say, if they can get two wins from that, continuing those cups, it might mean more fixtures. But it will have them on a decent little run of form after the after the World Cup. People forget that Everton result, and I'd, I'd imagine that is the uh, the the aim among the City squad. So we will uh, bring you all the everything you need to know from that uh, Chelsea game. Will be at the Etihad um, on Sunday and we'll have all the build up everything Guardiola's got to say before and after it over on the Manchester Evening News uh, click the Man City tab at the top and it'll be all there you can follow us on Facebook at Manchester Evening News slash Manchester City on Twitter we are Man City M-E-N and you can also find us on our new YouTube channel which is at Man City underscore M-E-N so follow us there for all the latest videos podcasts everything you can get from YouTube uh, yep so we'll be back next week probably Probably City will uh, hope that they are in the next round of the FA Cup and looking forward to potentially a Carabao Cup semi-final. So that's all from myself, Joe Bray and Simon Bajkowski. See you next week.